Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you Money Tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about uh, house prices and uh, this is obviously in the UK. I know I get a lot of people on Facebook live listening from other countries and and great to have you with us. But at least you can learn a bit more about the the UK market and some things that are going on in the world. Hi to everyone uh, coming on there and uh, thanks for tuning in to my podcast which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher. So house prices now every couple of months a different survey comes out some are based on the sale price the the sold actual sold prices like land registry figures but we also look at the two main lenders the two main building societies that used to be building sites Halifax and Nationwide which still is a building society hi to Magnolia Tracy there hi 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 everybody and and the nationwide have come out with their survey and they've said that annual growth in UK house prices have have been below 1% less than 1% each month for the last year in a in a in a stagnant market and they're a major lender so price house prices rose just 0.8% in the year to late November the nationwide said so it's a bit of a pickup on last month but they're basically stagnant now in other countries uh, house prices might be shooting up all over the place especially in in Asia um, but in, in the UK, things have definitely been been slow. And now the average UK home now costs £215,000. But I wouldn't place much stock in that because there's a huge difference between the North and Scotland and parts of Wales uh, compared to the London and the South East and, and, the, and Southern England where the economy is stronger. There's a huge difference between, say, the North East where you can probably still pick up a house for £60,000 and London, where you wouldn't even get, you know, a studio for 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 less than two or three hundred thousand pounds. Again, depending on the area, because London is a big place. It's not just what you see on TV, Big Ben and all that sort of thing. That's central London, you know, the Houses of Parliament and the West End. But London goes out ten miles each way from from that central point. So parts of London are, you know, uh, relatively affordable if you go into the outskirts of London. East London, you can still buy a house there, but you're going to be paying five, six hundred thousand pounds probably for a three bed house. But in central London, you might only get a studio or um, a a one bed flat for that. Uh, So um, someone here is saying saying that uh, in Vietnam, house prices are, uh, are going up very fast and someone's given an example of a house that sold for seven hundred thousand dollars is now a million dollars and they said in vietnam prices uh, are high london they she she feels is is quite cheap in in vietnam so parts of asia are are, are going up very fast now part london and and the uk market has been going up in the past it's been doing very well but if i look back on a graph from before the, the, the big worldwide banking crash 2008, 
the graph shows a plus plus 10% of, of house prices that have been gone up by 10% in the previous period. And then they went down within a year or two had gone down to minus 15%. So that's a 25% drop on average. Okay. Other parts of the UK have gone down even, even faster. Um, then, uh, then it went up again, 2010, they went up from, from that low point to, uh, plus 10 percent so they've, they've they've gone up again by a similar figure it, it, you got this sort of bounce on the graph but then they went down again 2012 uh, then this crept up again to two that in 2014 they've gone up uh, up to sort of plus 10 percent again and then have gone down in from 2014 to now so it's you know four or five years they've gone down again by about 10 percent so it's been a, a funny old market uh, ups and downs uh, partly uh, Brexit, you can see a big fall since uh, the Brexit vote 2016. You can see that prices did go down quite a bit since then, and the market has certainly slowed up. One guy who's involved with auctions said that the last month's auction was he'd never seen it so bad in terms of sales and activity and that sort of thing. And the auction is the ultimate place where you know properties have got to sell at the auction because they'll sell at whatever the market will pay. So the, the ultimate test of what the market will pay is an auction. Uh, yes, you'll get less for your money, but you should sell the property. Uh, but um, so you should get less for your property, but you should still sell it. Uh, but if the auctions are slow, then things really are slow. And of course, Brexit has dragged on for, for three years now. And uh, we're, we're, we're still not sure what will happen. We've got a general election also on. So that, that always affects things. We don't know which government's coming in. So, yeah, things are are slow um and what what is what is the future well you know i think long term property will go up and will be a good investment in the long term because there is still a shortage of properties in the uk now the government said last year they built 240,000 new homes not the government didn't build it builders built those new homes and a percentage of those would have gone for affordable homes for things like shared ownership in a way, those new builds kind of prop up the market because in, in, if you've got in, in an area, it, you've, you're, you've got flats selling for, say, 300000 a new build flat with a shiny new build and a help to buy scheme from the government to help people raise the deposits will probably sell for three hundred fifty to 400000 and And it's just a one-bed flat like the old one-bed flats or a two-bed flat like the old two-bed flats. But new builds... I think inflate the market, and especially with the help to buy scheme, which is a scheme to help people uh, raise the deposit. So I think markets would would be showing a lower figure. So so that ten percent drop from two thousand sixteen to now, I I think is more like fifteen to twenty percent in most areas. If you take out the the new builds that that have been going on. So what I'm trying to say is you've got older stock, you've got existing housing stock everywhere. And the average price of those is, is only going up in the last year by 0.8% and has actually fallen from around 2015-16 by 10%, right? But that's th that, those figures that the nationwide show are the average figures for all properties. But I would say if you take out the new build and just include the, the older stock, I think the prices would have fallen more than that. And certainly in London, where most of the properties is older stock, you know, I, I think prices are falling 15, 20 percent 
in the last few years. Now we say London again, but London's such a big place, 7 million people, you know, stretching from the centre of London, 10 miles in every direction. So you can't just call London one market. There's, there's different parts of London that have moved in different ways, but central London has, has taken the biggest hit because, uh, because of tax changes, increased stamp duties that made it very expensive for foreign buyers as well as, as UK buyers. The government hit, have hit investors with higher taxes, taken away tax relief. So a lot of investors have got out of the market. So all of this has contributed to uh, a falling market and a slow market. Um, so so that, that's where we are at the moment with, with the market. Um, but, but the long-term factors, I, I think, are still good. Even after Brexit's finished, you know, the UK will survive. UK will get on with business and, and could thrive in many, in many ways. Um, and you, you've got to believe that whether you're a Brexiteer or a Remainer, you've got to believe in the UK will we'll come back and pr- people will need somewhere to live. Now, the 240,000 homes that were built last year uh, are just about coping with current demand. Net migration was still at uh, a high figure. Net migration from Europe was still at uh, 40,000 people just from the, the EU countries. So net migration still running at a couple of hundred thousand a year. Then you've got population growth. Then you've got people living longer. Then you've got people splitting up and needing two homes instead of one. So uh, there'll always be that demand. And, and economics is about supply and demand, isn't it? When, when there's a demand for something, the price of things go up. That's what I learned in school. Uh, but we'll have to see how things pan out. At the moment, it is difficult. And it's, it, in a way, it's good that prices are falling, that people can get on the, on the ladder but the lenders need to wake up and start making things more flexible for people to buy homes, especially young first-time buyers. So I think in the long run, prices are, are, will go up eventually. They won't be going up in, in huge leaps like, like they have been before, but they will go up. I think the, the country has become too dependent on the property market for everything. And it, it's time we sort of had a more stable property market and moved into you know, thinking about other types of investment, not just everything being about property. Uh, so, so let's see what happens with that. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for for listening. And you know, I, I whatever your 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 situation is with property, I hope you can either get into property in the next year if you if you're looking to buy property. Look at the the lifetime ISA, which is is a way you can save and get a twenty five percent bonus to uh, towards your property if you're a first-time buyer and you're buying a residential property and what, what i would hope is that the lenders the banks and the building societies will start being more flexible with their lending and i would like to see them bring back interest only mortgages for, for for residential people because if you if you borrow um you know two hundred thousand on an interest only mortgage uh so let, let's keep the figure simple if you borrowed, if you if you wanted to borrow a hundred thousand on an interest-only mortgage, and and the rate was two thousand pounds two two percent, that would be costing you two thousand pounds a year, right? Now if you double that, say four hundred thousand, sorry two hundred thousand, you it would only cost you on on a uh, an interest-only mortgage uh, at four thousand pounds a year, right? Now you could you could do a lot with with two hundred thousand, right? And four four thousand a year would be a lot less than renting a flat worth two hundred two hundred and fifty thousand. Can you see what I'm saying here? If you were to go and rent a flat, it would probably cost you, depending on the area, six seven eight hundred pounds a month. 
But if you had a 200,000 interest only mortgage, now interest means you're only paying interest on that mortgage. You're not paying back capital. You, you've got to find a way of paying that capital later on. But if it was an interest only mortgage over say 30 or 40 years, who cares? It'll be paid off eventually. You'll probably sell that property and buy another one. But if it was an interest only mortgage and you could borrow 200,000 pounds, that would only be costing you 4,000 pounds a year or about 80 pounds a week, 300 and something a month. Now compare 300 a month with eight, five, six, seven, 800 pounds a month to, to rent a property. That's a big difference. So if, if lenders and the government would allow lenders to, to, to get back into lending interest only mortgages over long, long periods like they got in Japan, it, I think it would make a huge difference. And mortgages also should be transferable. You should be able to buy a property and take on that mortgage because sometimes it's a better deal than going out and buying a new mortgage. And this is some of the things you can do in a, in a no money down strategy to buy property. You can take over a, a mortgage. It's, it's not literally taking it over. But um, that, that, that would be my advice for the government and the lenders to, to make it easier for first time buyers to buy a property. Because what does it matter if it's interest only and it's over a long period? In, in the end, they'll be saving money on a month to month basis and, and be able to buy. Also, you know, when I bought my first flat, you could borrow two and a half to three times your annual salary, but interest rates were 16% when I moved into that flat, 16%. Well, now you can still borrow three times, around about three times, maybe a little bit more than three times your annual salary. And what are rates now? 2%. Okay, so how does that make sense? You know, if, if rates are 2%, even if rates were 5%, you can afford a lot more than three times your salary, right? Because I was able to afford three times my salary back when, when rates were 12 and 16% and everybody afforded it though in those days. So what are the lenders doing? They're restricting the market by, by making it too tight for people to borrow. So that, that's my advice for the government and for lenders is to loosen things up a bit, at least for first-time buyers, so they can buy property and start reducing these, these punitive stamp duty uh, increases which are, are making it difficult for people to move all around you you can see people building loft extensions back extensions extra bedrooms because they can't afford to move the, the cost of moving is so high that they're better off just staying where they are and building into the into the roof space and creating that extra one or two bedrooms they need for a growing family now that's okay for them but for the market that needs to move up so that you know for, for the general movement of the market you, you know people need to buy and sell so that first-time buyers can get on and buy that flat that uh, that was was a first time buyer previously, so they can buy the next level up, and that that person can then buy the next level up. So it the market needs moving. Everyone just stays put. It does make the market stagnate. So that that's that's three things there. Reduce this idiot, idiotic stamp duty. Make things more flexible for lenders to to lend higher income multiples, and bring back interest only mortgages. Now people say, oh, that will cause the the, the market crash. No. The market crash was not caused by ordinary people buying their homes. It was caused by big banks and, and in the UK and America lending money out to people on, on what's called subprime mortgages. These are mortgages that were uh, lent to people who previously had not paid their mortgage or previously went bankrupt, previously defaulted on their mortgage. And lenders said, hey, we're going to give you another mortgage, but we're going to charge you a higher rate. So these people who previously couldn't pay their mortgages were now given another mortgage, but they were hit in hit in the nuts with a with a high rate that was probably unaffordable, and these these rates were really high, and these lenders were were really 
literally raking it in with with the interest. They were like four percent above the normal rate. So what happened? A lot of these people defaulted, and it wasn't just that, but those mortgages that were then being packaged up by by big banks and sold on as security to to institutions, and they lied about those things, and that brought that the lending market down. Also, the previous government were mismanaging the economy as well, so we we took a long time to recover from that. But um, it wasn't just about people borrowing. A lot of people say, "Oh, the hundred percent mortgages were were the cause of it." No, the hundred percent mortgages did not cause that problem. The Northern Rock were lending mortgages up to one hundred twenty five percent, but they didn't go down because of those. They went down because they got into commercial lending and they were they became a bank and they decided to expand into different markets and they got into trouble. So I think there's a there's there's a need to bring back the hundred percent mortgages, bring back the interest only mortgages. And, and allow the lender a little bit more flexibility to lend more to, to young couples, young people who, who you know, it, it would be cheaper for them to buy on those types of mortgages than it is for them to, to rent. And, you know, we, we need this. And we also need more social housing built for, for people who, who, who can't afford to buy and will always want long term social housing. So there you go. Thanks for listening. I hope that's been of some use to you. This is Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Uh, check out my book. Yes, money can buy you happiness. Nice Christmas present there. And if you if you want to know how to get into property and get get into investing property using none of your own money, drop me a line on Messenger or at charles at charleskelly.net. Thanks for listening and good night. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 